racist games. If confirmed, the conduct is beyond unacceptable. Shocking allegations trigger an investigation at BC hospitals. Freedom March through downtown Vancouver. Do this as a community. Celebrating Juneteenth and the fight against discrimination. And bringing cars back to Stanley Park. We don't know how this is going to affect our business. The partial reopening that some say is not enough. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Thousands of people taking part in the Juneteenth March for Freedom today. After weaving their way through downtown Vancouver, they are now gathered at Sunset Beach. This live shot from Global One. Juneteenth, a U.S. holiday marking the end of slavery, has taken on a deeper meaning today as protests and awareness of racism and the movement to end it grows. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The fight against racism is tonight's top story on a couple of fronts. We'll get back to that march and rally in just a few moments. But first, shocking allegations are being leveled against some in BC's healthcare system involving a so-called game singling out Indigenous patients. As Richard Zussman reports, the troubling revelations have now triggered an investigation. I was made aware of serious allegations. Looking noticeably disturbed, BC Health Minister Adrian Dix holding a press conference on Friday, organized at the last minute, describing allegations of a game he was told about Thursday night. Should uh, these practices be confirmed, uh, they are unacceptable and racist. The allegations are that in at least one emergency room, staff would guess the blood alcohol level of visitors, in particular Indigenous patients. The province's former children's watchdog and prominent Indigenous lawyer, Mary Ellen turpel Lafond, is the one tasked with investigating. Any workplace in British Columbia where people are playing games at the expense of the health or safety of Indigenous people, one can only expect someone in those roles to face severe consequences. It is still unclear how many times the game has been played, how widespread it has been, or which doctors, nurses and other staff are involved. We need to know where it actually took place and who the individuals are, and then they need to be held to the highest standard of accountability. I would hope that there are perhaps other whistleblowers or people who will come forward who have seen this type of racism and to let Mary Ellen Turpel Lafon know about this so we can get to the bottom of it. Métis Nation British Columbia became aware on Thursday of a report from more than a year ago detailing some of these allegations. This report is the basis to the investigation and speaks to a larger concern of racism in the healthcare system. So there are thousands and thousands of stories. Many are far more harmful than this one. Premier John Horgan responding to this in a statement, calling it ugly and describing it as anti-Indigenous racism. He says in the statement that this is involving multiple emergency rooms in the province and the province will not turn the other way if racism is exposed in the midst of this investigation. The minister did in my communication with him last night say very clearly to me that if there were broader systemic issues that became apparent that, you know, I was welcome to look at that and come back to him. There is no timeline yet on when the investigation will wrap up. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. All right, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on this. And Keith, when it comes to resources, Mary Ellen Turpel Lafont is going to be given what she wants. Mm -hmm. Yes, indeed, she will. In fact, it's not going to just be.
Conducting this investigation, she will assemble a team, presumably of people she's worked with in the past, to launch this, to conduct this investigation. Adrian Dix, the health minister, tells me that if she needs power, such as compelling people to give her testimony and witness testimony, they, she will be given those powers. So potentially a very sweeping investigation. Here's Mary Ellen Terpel-Lafon's description of the resources she thinks she's going to bring to bear. It will be important in the next week or so to sort out the scope of powers and responsibilities. Um, I will be seeking all powers to be able to look into this incident, uh, which includes like, you know, speaking to people that are involved and so forth. And um, I'm hoping very much that any people that have information will share it with me. Um, I intend to conduct a fair, neutral investigation and I'm independent from government. Uh, and I will, uh, I will be seeking the government to support me to be able to do that independent investigation. So although there is no timeline, as Richard Zussman uh, reported, uh, having covered uh, Mary Ellen Terpel-Lohan for a number of years, she is known for being very uh, decisive and very meticulous in her investigations, and she doesn't take a lot, a lot of time. I think we're talking weeks here rather than months before this is wrapped up. All right, we'll see what she uh, learns in the course of her investigation. Right. Keith, thank you. These allegations coming to light on a day where thousands of people are taking part in an anti-racism rally in Vancouver. And that's where we find our Paul Johnson tonight. It's called the Freedom March, Paul, and it marks Juneteenth, June 19th, uh, also known as Emancipation Day. Yes, it does. Sophie, once again, many thousands of Vancouverites have turned out in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and the racial justice movement. This started about an hour and a half ago back at Jackpool Plaza where we saw a big rally a couple of weeks ago and then they marched en masse up Thurlow Street here to the beach. I think we have some helicopter shots to show you what that looked like from above. We're hearing from Vancouver police that there may be as many as 6,000 people have taken part in this rally today. Their intention is to be here now in Sunset Park for about another three hours. Right now they're doing speeches. We expect that this is going to morph and they're going to start hearing from performance artists, from poets, and then we're going to hear some music. We caught up with one of the organizers earlier today. Here's what she had to say. And here's some voices from some of the young people who are participating in this. Take a listen set up a stage so everyone can see and be socially distanced. So we have a LED screen that will have um, slides reminding people to socially distance and what they can do and to wear their mask and have sanitizer. And then after that, we'll begin our speeches and have our Indigenous brothers and sisters bless the land. You know, we got to fight harder for what we want. But, you know, black lives, all lives can't matter till black lives matter. I'm proud, you know, it's what it is. You know, I say that for everyone else that's black too, like, Whenever like people just try to bring you down stuff, just don't listen to them, bring yourself back up, keep your head up and keep going. So you're looking at a close-up shot of the stage they've got set up here at Sunset Beach. And this really is a story of how this movement has been embraced in Vancouver. I covered the first rally that they had at the Vancouver Art Gallery a few weeks ago. That was one courageous young man with a bullhorn on the steps of the Vancouver Art Gallery. Now you see they have a stage, they have a proper PA system, they have a video screen, they even had a PR company helping to organize this. This has become a very big movement in Vancouver and British Columbia, Sophie. Pretty incredible to see. All right, Paul Johnson uh, at Sunset Beach and uh, Paul will be sticking around there. We'll check back with you a little bit later, see how things are going. You bet. Thank you.
Well, the Port of Vancouver shut down operations for the date to commemorate Juneteenth. It's one of 35 ports in Canada and along the U.S. West Coast taking part in the work stoppage. The move is part of a big push in the United States to make June 19th a national holiday. Organizers of the protest in Vancouver are calling for similar action here in Canada. A desperate search tonight for a man believed to have fallen off a vessel in English Bay. The Canadian Coast Guard is investigating and crews have been searching since this morning. Catherine Urquhart has the latest. An emergency call was made from the ship at about 9 a.m. And within minutes, a number of resources were deployed. On the water, the Coast Guard had several vessels, including the hovercraft. In the air, the Coast Guard helicopter and a fixed-wing surveillance plane. Vancouver police also had their marine unit involved. And throughout the day, they continued searching for the missing crew member. It's believed he may have gone overboard when the anchor was being lowered. The Pilatus Venture is registered out of Hong Kong. Again, a very tragic day here in Burrard Inlet. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Vancouver fire crews are investigating a large fire that started at an apartment building under construction and spread to neighboring townhomes. That fire broke out just before 6 last night at West 62nd Avenue and Columbia Street. The four-story building was already engulfed in flames by the time firefighters arrived. No one was hurt and no construction workers were at the site. Fire crews aren't sure how the blaze started or where in the building it began. We don't know what's inside in most of these buildings. Building under construction, there might be propane tanks. So again, crews take a defensive approach first. And again, like I said, there was no concern of life safety at this, this call. So they made a defensive fire pretty quick. Another encouraging day when you look at the COVID-19 numbers for BC. We have seven new cases for a total now of 2,790. Again, no new deaths, so that number is holding at 168. Eleven people are in hospital, six of them in ICU. 2,444 people are considered fully recovered, which leaves us with 178 active cases. The province is extending its temporary rental supplement until the end of August for people affected by COVID-19. The program, which provides up to $500 per month for eligible households, was set to expire at the end of this month. As Nadia Stewart reports, some tenants say these measures are far from protecting them. Landlords say they're concerned about non-payment of rent. After several weeks of not having to worry about being evicted in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. The government is not really listening to tenants. They just want to get back to normal and their normal is our nightmare. The Vancouver Tenants Union says the province's Friday morning announcement brings them no comfort. Housing Minister Selena Robinson said the province is extending its temporary ban on rent increases. But at the end of June, some evictions will be allowed. Evictions, for example, where there was a previous order pre-COVID, those will come into effect, uh, or an eviction for uh, personal use. So if somebody's purchased a home uh, and they're moving in and they're going to be using it for their own use, they can uh, provide a notice of eviction. Evictions for non-payment of rent that are COVID-19 related are still banned. But advocates say the changes weaken tenant protection. Today, the government chipped away at the effectiveness of the protections that the evictions ban offered. Uh, which means that if you miss paying your rent uh, over the last few months, 
they're going to find some other way to evict you. The province is extending rent relief until the end of August, giving $500 to households with dependents and $300 to those without. Between April 9th and June 15th, over 90,000 applications came in. And according to Landlord BC, so far 10% of tenants have not paid rent. As of July 1st, uh, we expect there's going to be a, you know, a number of uh, landlords uh, uh, f- approaching the RTB and definitely this is going to take some, some time for uh, the backlog to be undone. Grivnavas is calling on the government to extend a complete evictions ban until the pandemic is over. But despite a petition collecting signatures, it seems this decision is moving ahead. Nadia Stork, Global News. Formal charges have now been laid against the two Michaels. Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig have been held in China for 18 months now, arrested shortly after Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou was detained in Vancouver at the request of the U.S. Reaction to China's latest move and the potential impact on the Meng case in just over a minute. Campaigning during COVID, setting the stage for a major Donald Trump rally and, it's feared, a spike in coronavirus cases. That's still to come. And pandemic wedding plans, couples tying the knot as part of a city hall pilot project. That's later on the news hour. Right now, the two Canadian men being held in a Chinese prison are now formally charged with spying. Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor had been held without charges for more than a year after Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou was arrested at Vancouver International Airport. As Rumi Nadea reports, this new development doesn't bode well for the two Canadians. 550 plus days and counting. The two Michaels detained in China without charges until now. Canadians Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor now officially charged, accused of spying on national secrets and providing intelligence for outside entities. We uh, have continued to express our uh, disappointment uh, with the Chinese decision. The Prime Minister suggesting the detention of Kovrig and Spavor is linked to the arrest of billionaire heiress Meng Wanzhou. The CFO for Chinese tech giant Huawei, detained by Canadian authorities at YVR at the request of the U.S. in December 2018. Days later, the two Michaels were arrested in China. There obviously are no uh, links except in politics on that. So we will continue uh, to uh, ask the Chinese uh, and put pressure on the Chinese government to uh, cease the arbitrary detention of these two uh, Canadian citizens. The opposition, plus a growing list of high-profile critics, urging the Trudeau government to take a stronger stand. The only language that China understands is one of firmness. Canada has, until now, used a, a kind of very quiet diplomacy. That clearly has not worked being polite. The Chinese biting back at accusations of hostage diplomacy. Saying maybe you should ask the Canadian government about that. While Meng remains under house arrest in her multi-million dollar Vancouver home, awaiting next steps in her extradition case, the two detained Michaels wait for access to consular officials. These are very serious charges. If it gets to sentencing, um, it could be long prison term, it could be a death sentence. The conviction rate in China, almost 100%. Romina Dea, Global News.
Surrey RCMP are asking for help to find a missing pregnant woman. Ashley Minchell was last seen June 2nd in the 13700 block of 92nd Avenue in Surrey. She's described as 29 years old, 5 foot 6 with black hair and blue eyes. She is 8 months pregnant. RCMP also believes she's connected to an orange Dodge Grand Caravan with the BC license plate KN9. 57X. If you know of her whereabouts, you're asked to contact RCMP or Crime Stoppers. A North Okanagan man who was found guilty of running over an escort with a quad will not serve any additional jail time. Protesters jeered as Curtis Sagmoen walked out of a Vernon courtroom after being sentenced to five months in custody. But he will not return to jail after he was given credit for time he'd already served between 2017 to 2019 on sentences for three different cases. In February, the complainant testified in court that in August of 2017, she was invited to a rural area near Salmon Arm to work as an escort, then got on a quad to go to Segmoen's residence. She said he pretended the ATV broke down. When she decided to walk back to her vehicle, she was hit from behind by the quad. Anti-violence against women activists protested as he left the Vernon courthouse today. Just to, to let him know, you know, that the women are calling for accountability, you know, and, and that, you know, we are speaking for the vulnerable. He's now subject to a long list of conditions on probation as a, a 10-year weapons prohibition and a DNA order. The remains of missing 18-year-old Tracy Genereau were found on his parents' farm south of Salmon Arm, but he has not faced any charges in connection with her death, nor has he been named as a suspect. Well, they say unity is their mission. About 6,000 people have gathered in downtown Vancouver for an anti-racism rally, as we've been showing you tonight. Let's go back there live now to our Jordan Armstrong, who is also covering this event for us tonight. Jordan, what's the feeling there? Well, Sophie, as the march started around 4.30 this afternoon at Jackpool Plaza, one of the organizers wanted to stress this is not a parade. No one is here to have fun. So despite the upbeat music we've been hearing here at Sunset Beach, the message is incredibly serious. And we'll give you a live look at the crowd right now. That message is the fight for equality continues. Anti-black racism is still a big problem. Once again, a very young crowd at this gathering. Perhaps not as many families as we saw two weeks ago at the other protests, given this one involved a two-kilometer-long protest march. Nova Stevens is one of two young women who organized this event, and her message is hate is not innate. It is taught, and she hopes that white allies in the crowd and those watching at home will stop and listen. It's important for you to know you're privileged, know that this country was built for you but it was built against us. Know that it's okay that you don't understand, but ask questions. We are open to giving you information as long as you're receptive. But also, what are you gonna do with that information? Are you gonna keep it to yourself? Now, by all accounts, this has been another peaceful protest. There was a small bit of tension very early on as the march was getting underway between some protesters and a few drivers who perhaps didn't get the message that the march was taking place and blocking traffic. Vancouver police are here mostly on bicycles, but they seem to be keeping a distance from the main crowd, a block or more at times. Perhaps that was to be expected given one of the more common chants we've been hearing is defund the police. Sophie? All right, Jordan, we will check back with you in a little bit.
Jordan Armstrong reporting at Sunset Beach for us. Up next, splitting up Stanley Park. We're going to do this for now, and we're going to be flexible with it. The temporary traffic plan to share the road. And dangerous cargo caught on camera. How not to haul a heavy load next. Ongoing seismic and safety upgrades over here at the south end of the Granville Street Bridge, causing lane closures in both directions, but mainly affecting southbound traffic. When you buy lottery ticket or play at a casino in BC, our healthcare schools and community programs benefit. BCLC, with every play, you're making BC even better. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above the Granville Street Bridge. Vancouver Park Board is defending its decision to partially reopen the city's crown jewel to vehicles. In a marathon online meeting last night, commissioners voted to allow one lane in Stanley Park for cars and the other for bicycles for now. Jennifer Palma has more on why the temporary plan is being met with both relief and outrage. Stanley Park, Vancouver's crown jewel, but not everyone has had easy access during this pandemic. The park cut off to vehicles in early April to allow for physical distancing and making way for cyclists not allowed to use the seawall. More like this. I use my bike. <laughs> I think one lane would be sufficient. It's kind of blocking off access to the park. But now one lane will reopen for vehicle use, the other reserved for cyclists. This is a tense The park board decision made in a five to two time. vote late Thursday um, night in an emergency park board meeting. We are in a temporary situation that is very operational. So it's not, it doesn't follow the regular kind of process that we would in a public institution and the park board specifically. Car free park! Some say not everyone was properly consulted. Concerns being raised by those with accessibility issues and seniors. If you run a business and the people that come to your business come in cars, and yes, if you're going to go and have brunch at the tea house, um, you know, most people get dressed up and bring the family. At the tea house, they can't wait to reopen, but worried one less lane of traffic will impact them as a third of all parking is repurposed. The parking issue is big for us because we're losing uh, almost 50% of our parking. Uh, people are going to have a very hard time parking in front. We're going to have people driving in to try and find parking and have to drive all the way around the park again to see if there's parking on the other side. Some businesses getting legal advice, consulting lawyers and BC's former Attorney General, Wally Opal. It's upsetting that in a democracy, we have a group, a, a body like the Park Board, uh, that doesn't give a damn about the rights of the people who are most affected. Single-lane vehicle access is expected to restart sometime early next week. The Park Board says it's temporary, and as to when both lanes will reopen to vehicles, that depends on the pandemic. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A motorist captured the image of a rather dangerous situation on a Surrey highway this week. This truck, overloaded with scrap metal, was spotted at 130th Street and Highway 17 yesterday afternoon. After the truck crossed the intersection, a road sign was ripped out. The driver allegedly kept on going. A global viewer said some of the scrap material dislodged and obstructed a lane. That forced oncoming traffic to pull over. The viewer said they followed the truck to the scrapyard in order to get the license plate and report it to police. Just ahead, COVID concerns ahead of a major Trump rally. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. The spike in cases in Oklahoma as the president resumes his campaign. Plus, an update in the Breonna Taylor case as action is taken against one of the officers involved. 
give a shout out, tag posts with hashtag BC Healthcare Heroes or email BC Healthcare Heroes at globalnews.ca to share with Global News in partnership with Fortis BC, ensuring your community has the energy it needs 24 7. Over West Georgia Street in downtown Vancouver, where traffic is moving much better to and from the Lionsgate Bridge now that the protest march has congregated at Sunset Beach. When you buy a lottery ticket or play at a casino in BC, our health care, schools, and community programs benefit BCLC. With every play, you're making BC even better. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above West Georgia in downtown Vancouver. No justice! No peace! Marches and rallies across North America today to mark Juneteenth, celebrating the end of slavery in the United States. This year's events, not just celebrations, but protests over racial injustice and calls for equality and action. One of the rallies at the newly renamed Black Lives Matter Plaza, which faces the White House. And we have been reporting on the thousands of people who gathered in downtown Vancouver for a rally and march from Jackpool Plaza to Sunset Beach. That is where we find our Paul Johnson uh, this evening. Paul, a pretty big crowd for this anti-racism rally. Yeah, Vancouver police told us they think there's probably 6,000 people here. Looks about right to me. And you just missed a really moving moment here where everybody here hummed in unison the song Amazing Grace, and then the singers on the stage kind of morphed it in the end to Bob Marley's redemption song. It was spine tingling. Now you can hear behind me, there's music playing. And I think from this point on, this is going to be very much a musical and performance oriented event here. You see they've got a professional stage set up and we're about to expect what we're told, a lot of performers. This started about two hours ago, an hour and a half ago, um, across the downtown core at Jackpool Plaza. That was the mustering point. People then marched up Thurlow Street and arrived here. They expect that they'll be doing this until about nine o'clock tonight. I talked to some of the young people who were participating in this. They're excited to be involved in another one of these. They want other people to come down and participate. Their hope is this is open, this is peaceful, but they still feel it's important that they make their point. I just want people to recognize black people do matter and that's about it. I say that for everyone else that's black too, like whenever like people just try to bring you down stuff, just don't listen to them, bring yourself back up, keep your head up and keep going. You know, we gotta fight harder for what we want. But you know, black lives all lives can't matter till black lives matter. So, uh, the important date of Juneteenth is one that many Canadians may not be familiar with, and there's an important distinction to make here. It's not the day that slavery ended in the United States. It's the day that black slaves in Texas found out that slavery had ended many months after the fact, and that's an important thing for people here who are pointing out, while the laws in North America say one thing, the treatment of black people and people of color through their lived experience is a very different thing. And that's why Juneteenth is such an important thing that they want to celebrate and mark here today. Sophie? Yeah, it's good to be learning more about it. Thanks for that, Paul. One of the three Louisville police officers involved in the death of Breonna Taylor is being fired. According to his pre-termination letter, Detective Brett Hankinson will be dismissed over his actions the night of Taylor's death. Taylor was shot eight times after Hankinson and two other officers allegedly burst into her home using a no-knock warrant. So far, no action has been taken against the other two officers involved. No charges have been laid as of yet in the investigation. 
Despite a spike in COVID-19 cases in Oklahoma, U.S. President Donald Trump is preparing to bring almost 20,000 people into an arena this weekend for his first campaign rally in months. The event has sparked concern from health officials and even led to a lawsuit to try to cancel it. Global's Reggie Cicchini has more. As Tulsa, Oklahoma prepares to welcome President Trump. This will be my um, 36th rally in 19 different states. The city is also preparing for the worst. You don't have to be a rocket science to know that this rally puts us at risk. Tens of thousands of Trump supporters flocking to the first campaign rally since March. You've done so, so well with the COVID. You've handled it incredibly well. But Oklahoma is one of several states in the middle of a surge in cases. A record 450 reported on Thursday. Hospitalizations are also on the rise. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. The threat of the rally becoming a super spreader event led to a lawsuit to try and cancel it. That case was dismissed by the state Supreme Court on Friday. It's still a uh, participation by choice, and there's been an encouragement all this past week uh, from the health department to say, if you're attending the rally, come get tested. An overflow space will also be provided, and attendees will be given sanitizer and masks. But even with precautions, health experts question the need for an event in the midst of a crisis. And I worry about the individuals going to attend the rally. And I worry about what happens when these people come back and people start testing positive. The controversy around this rally began when the campaign planned to hold it on Juneteenth, the day commemorating the end of slavery in the U.S. But amid rising tensions, it was moved. The president then told the Wall Street Journal that he made Juneteenth very famous, adding it's actually an important event, an important time, but nobody had ever heard of it. The day has been celebrated in the United States for more than 150 years, and this latest gaffe puts further strain on the president, who's struggling to gain support from black voters. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Canadian research shows childhood asthma rates have fallen, and the drop is attributed to less antibiotic use in babies. The study published in The Lancet found infants given antibiotics face nearly double the risk of asthma by the age of five. Researchers in B.C. analyzed data from about 225,000 kids up to the age of four and found every 10% increase in the prescription of antibiotics was linked with a 24% increase in asthma rates. The study suggests careful antibiotic use in children under the age of one is important to help preserve the diversity and abundance of healthy gut bacteria, making children less susceptible to developing asthma later in life. Asthma is the most common chronic childhood disease in Canada. Up next, physically distanced I do's. We always wanted to have a small wedding anyway, so it was perfect timing for us. The micro-wedding experiment at Vancouver City Hall. And later, why the Whitecaps are delaying their trip to Disney World. Well, love is still in the air despite the pandemic. Several beaming couples tied the knot outside of Vancouver City Hall today. Eight small, physically distant outdoor ceremonies were held at the Helena Gutteridge Plaza. They're part of the micro-wedding pilot program launched by the City of Vancouver last month. Each low-fuss, cost-effective service takes about 30 minutes and caps attendance at 10. We decided that we it, it wasn't safe for us to have a gathering of over 50 people um, on our original plan date of September 12th of this year. So. We've rescheduled that celebration with all of our friends and families, but we knew that we really wanted to still get married this year and 
saw an article about City Hall piloting this micro-wedding program and thought, hey, this sounds like a great idea. The micro-weddings will be offered through September with the next date slated for Pride Week. For anyone thinking of getting hitched this way, there are still some time slots available. Details can be found on the City of Vancouver website. Congratulations to all the happy couples. All right, let's check in with meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at our weather forecast. Our last full day of spring today. Bye, spring. Hi, Spring. Happy Friday and welcome to summer. But yes, as we transition to summer, Sophie, we've got rain on the way. And as we mentioned yesterday, this will be the sixth weekend in a row that we've had rain. It's been a tough go, that's for sure. But don't worry, I've got lots of hope for you in our forecast here. First of all, let's have a look at your photos. This one from uh, Whistler. Thank you to Marta Hollander for that one. Great shot. Little bit of blue sky certainly there today. But in Comox, yes, the clouds rolled in fairly quickly. Thanks, Shannon, for that one. The rainfall pushed in across Vancouver. Vancouver Island certainly earlier than us. We're starting to see it move across the Strait of Georgia right now. So in not too long, we'll start to see the rain develop. Um, you can see it just starting to push in, but it's not raining here in North Vancouver yet. So tomorrow morning, we'll see more consistent rain. By the afternoon, it becomes more showers, but certainly still unsettled in the afternoon and a risk of thunderstorms for inland regions. For all you fathers out there, a slight chance of showers with cloud in the morning, but we're hoping for some sunshine for you Father's Day afternoon. So really, making sure that that uh hoping that that happens and then after that oh yes it gets warm it gets sunny it's going to feel like summer so we just have a little blip to get through in the meantime there's your saturday everyone yes rainfall in most regions with that risk of thunderstorms in the interior the good news is it's not going to be a chilly rain it's going to be fairly warm above seasonal in most areas so periods of rain tomorrow easing to showers chance of showers in the morning sunday with breaks later on and then monday tuesday Wednesday looked terrific and here's your central windows weather window. This was the sunrise this morning in Comox. Thank you so much Michael for sharing that with us. Okay that guys back to you. Definitely a reason to wake up early. Thank you very much Christy. All right Squires here now with a look ahead to what's coming up in Sports Square. Well um, there are some NHLers who have tested positive for COVID-19. There's a golfer out in the PGA Tour who has as well. We'll talk all about that and also Tell you how the Whitecaps are going to leave it as long as possible before going to Florida. <laughs> Understandable. All right, and later tonight, Friday fun, satellite debris time. About 200. What? Yes. This is concerning. I know. And it's only phase two. The NHL says 11. Of the over 200 players it has tested so far in this phase two have come up positive for COVID-19. They won't say which players they are or what teams they are from, but I should tell you there is a rumor in Toronto one of the players is Elise Austin Matthews. The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning have shut down their facility because of positive tests for both players and staff. All of the players who tested positive, the NHL says, are now in quarantine. But as of this moment, this news is not dissuading the league from its hope to uh, open training camps on July 10th. And Nick Watney pulled out of the uh, PGA's RBC Heritage event today after testing positive for COVID-19. He did play round one yesterday. The PGA is now going through its procedures, contact tracing and such, including informing the two players he played with yesterday. Uh, they did not stop the tournament because of Watney pulling out with coronavirus. 
It was the uh, second round today from Hilton Head, South Carolina, and Bryson DeChambeau with the birdie putt here. Shot seven under par, 64. So he sits at minus 11, along with Canadian Corey Connors. They're both one back of Webb Simpson. This is long distance. And this is good for a bird. He is at 12 under par. Numbers. There you see Webb Simpson. There's Corey Connors, one of those who was one back. Mackenzie Hughes had a good day. Adam Hadwin at minus five. Roger Sloan plus one. Well, the Vancouver Whitecaps are supposed to go to Florida for the Major League Soccer tournament next month, but they will stay in Vancouver as long as possible before making the trip to a state that has not come close to flattening the curve. The Whitecaps have now trained as a team for a full week and they've decided to keep training in Vancouver for about another 10 days. They had the option to fly into Orlando just a few days from now in order to get in one exhibition game. But they decided as a group, staying home an extra week gives the players more time with their families knowing they could be in Orlando all the way until mid-August. So we have to do what we believe in. And what we believe in is that first we prioritize the mental side of the player and being in a good spot mentally to go there and play the games. The Whitecaps will play their first group stage game either July 9th or 10th. They're in the same group as Seattle, San Jose and Dallas, but still don't have the schedule yet. That'll come next week. More importantly, they continue to get match ready and feel confident that the tightness of this group may actually thrive in the uniqueness of this tournament. When you're locked in a hotel, everybody together, you need a good group. We see it every day in training and what we do together. We believe we're going to, to Orlando with a group that likes to be with each other, guys that are happy to be with each other, and that could make a difference uh, for sure. Tottenham, Manchester United, Premiership, no fans of course. First goal, Steven Bergwijn, and this is a nice one for Tottenham. It gives them the one nothing lead, but a penalty kick for Bruno Fernandes tied it for Manchester United, 1-1 the final. And there you go. All right. Thank you, Squire. Let's check in with Andrew now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And thanks, Sophie. We will have more tonight on the Freedom March that is drawing thousands of people to downtown Vancouver this evening. Plus a frightening scene at a condo tower in South Vancouver. It was just blocks from where a construction site went up in flames yesterday. This latest fire starting in a balcony barbecue. We'll show you how it all ended when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie. All right. Thanks, Anne. Tonight's healthcare hero is up next, plus satellite debris. Stick around. All right, Jordan Armstrong joins us one last time from Sunset Beach, where thousands of people have ended up after an anti-racism march from Jackpool Plaza. Uh, it's a celebration of unity and freedom, Jordan. Yeah, that's right, Sophie. And they're thinking that this protest will go until about 9 o'clock tonight. There are still a lot of people who wish to speak. Moments ago, we heard chants of, who are we? We're family and we're human. We bleed the same blood. I'm going to step out of the way for a moment, give you a shot of the crowd here. Maybe a few thousand people here now. VPD estimate the march itself involved up to 6,000 people. Uh, most participants, it seems, are wearing masks. Organizers did stress the importance of distancing, but that's obviously harder to achieve here in a park than it was on the street. Now, as the march started at Jackpool Plaza at 4.30 this afternoon, 
One of the organizers wanted to stress this is not a parade. No one's here to have fun. So despite the upbeat music we've been hearing here at Sunset Beach, the core message is incredibly serious. And that message is the fight for equality continues. Anti-black racism is still a problem, even here in Canada. Another peaceful event, Sophie. Again, they expect it will go another couple of hours. Back to you. All right. Thanks for that, Jordan Armstrong and Paul Johnson for us earlier at Sunset Beach. Now, just before we get to Squire and Satellite Debris, we want to recognize one of our hardworking B.C. healthcare heroes on the front lines of the COVID-19 pandemic. And tonight's nomination comes from Jane Rucaria. She nominated her brother-in-law, Yamoremi Maganya has been a nurse at Surrey Memorial for seven years. During the pandemic, he's been working in the COVID-19 ward, which meant that he had to keep his distance from family and friends for weeks. Yamoremi arrived in Canada in 2008 from Uganda, and since his credentials could not be recognized, he went back to school and trained as an RN. He is a father of three and a teacher, and in spite of his busy schedule, Jane says he even found the time to help her fix her garden garden pipes recently. Yamoremi, Jane says you are not only a healthcare hero, but you are her superhero. And we want to thank you for your hard work and dedication to BC during this challenging time. If you have a healthcare hero you'd like to see recognized, send us an email, bchealthcareheroes at globalnews.ca. Include a few pictures and some information about why they are your hero, and we might feature them next. All right, best part of Friday, Squire, satellite debris. Oh, I'm glad you think so. Uh, we are going to start off with a uh, commercial from South Africa by Volkswagen. Sunshine, lollipops and Everything that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together Brighter than a lucky penny when you're near the rain goes disappears dear And I feel so fine just to know that you are mine Everybody sunshine, lollipops and rainbows Everything that's wonderful If only you could connect with your baby like you can with your other baby Introducing the new Volkswagen WeConnect Go app with parking locator, fuel monitor, and more. That seems very good to have that with a legal an child. App, there is an app for everything. I know. Uh, this one, actually it's all cars tonight. This one is from Porsche, the heist. Here we go. Mike, oh. wait, wait, which car should I drive? You guy, this one. Let's go. Please tell me you saw that. With Christa Kabesh was Agent Flash. It was echt fantastic. Let's go. Oh, it's a beautiful day for a car chase. 
gotcha! <laughs> Who wants to be the bad guy next? I'll take that, thank you. Let's go! Do electric cars make that noise though? What's that? Well, electric cars are usually quieter than that. But yeah, but they were chased by gas guzzlers. Uh, good point, good yes. point, okay. And now I'm feeling nostalgic. For your Porsche, did you drive it like that? No, I never did drive it like that. I probably drove the Porsche slower than any other Porsche you, driver has drove, driven it. You were very safe, I, was. I remember. Uh, okay, last one, Subaru and some dogs. sleep and start snoring on the beach well yeah you get sleepy right in the sun <laughs> all right Chrissy back me up here <laughs> mm -hmm. quite a vision I'm still trying to figure out what happened there honestly <laughs> sorry I'm not exactly sure well speaking of beaches it is summer as of tomorrow that's right we transition officially at 2 43 p.m in the afternoon We'll likely see rain at that time, but there is sunshine in our future, everyone. All right, that's it for us tonight. Thanks, everyone. Happy Father's Day on Sunday.